You are listening to the sermon podcast for Triumph Lutheran Brethren Church. Our vision is to see the life and message of Jesus transform hearts, homes, and cities. Wherever you are, our prayer is that God would meet you and that the life and message of Jesus would transform your life. To find more resources, go to triumphlbc.org. In uncertain times, people are more prone, perhaps, than usual to not only think about God, but turn their hearts towards him. And when we think about God and turn our hearts towards him, we not only remember what he's done for us, and certainly next weekend we'll remember when God broke into the world to begin the process, the movement that we're still part of today as he came into the world to save us from our sins. We not only remember that there was a day when God broke into our world to give us hope, but there will be a day when he will finish what Jesus started and all things will be made new. So in this Advent season, we are going to consider this morning God's wonderful gift to us and not giving us what we need to know to predict when he will come again but giving us all that we need to be prepared and to live prepared for that time when Jesus comes again. I was 15 years old, and it was summer, and man, a couple things. I wish sometimes I was still 15 years old, and I wish it were summer, (laughs) but uh, we were uh, having a nice uh, evening. Rick and I, Rick was uh, the, the assistant professional at the golf sh- uh, shop where I worked, and we had finished our work day, and we were playing uh, tennis outside under the stars, actually under the lights, and we discovered that if you hit a ball high enough above the lights, the bats would follow it down into the, into the tennis area. Yeah, things you remember from when you were 15. But what I remember most about that night was that as we were playing tennis, we stopped and we turned to the south and kind of had this jaw-dropping sense of what is going on because the whole southern sky lit up red. Now, we were both spiritual people in different ways. Rick was into astral projection. (laughs) Anyway, he was really fascinated about taking journeys out of the body. I was not fascinated with that. I was all kind of lit up in my newfound zeal for Jesus. (laughs) A little explanation. That was a time when there was a lot of restlessness. And and 50 years ago, in the youth in the country, we had seen a president assassinated during our youth. We had seen his brother assassinated. We had seen a civil rights movement begin to stir much of our country with hope and others with anger. We saw the leader of that movement assassinated. We had a country that was at war and for the first time in memory, veterans coming back from a war were not welcomed with open arms because the country had mixed feelings about that war. It was really an interesting time to be alive. I wasn't old enough to be drafted, but I was old enough to talk with my friends who had older brothers and sisters about what number they were in the draft. It's interesting because during that time of unsettledness, things went in a couple of directions. In one direction, there was the movement whose kind of crowning moment was Woodstock. And I would say that that was a reaction to the youth of the nation, to things they saw in their parents' generation that weren't giving them hope. 
But there was another direction, and it would be called the Jesus movement or the Jesus people, where some, many of them who had come out of a, out of a kind of a dark and empty lifestyle, were discovering new life in Jesus. About 80,000 of us gathered in Dallas, Texas, and filled the cotton bowl. And as a young Christian who was believing in Jesus but feeling really hard the tug of the world, I was fascinated by this experience. First of all, I didn't know there were so many other kids that believed in Jesus. And, and in, that, in that experience, I came home and, and I, my faith was real. I thought Jesus was real. And because I thought Jesus was real, I was fascinated by what he said. And of the things that were fascinating to me, and I wasn't alone at that time, those of us uh, who were part of this loved to talk about the return of Jesus. All this to say, when my friend who was into astral projection saw a red sky, he went, cool. I went, I wonder if Jesus is coming back. (laughs) So we got in his car and we drove south and we drove and we drove and we drove and we got closer and closer and discovered it was an elevator fire. Jesus was not coming back that day. In fact, it's been 50 years since that summer, and uh, we're still waiting for his return. The reason I bring that up is that I think some of us here might say, these are interesting times that we're living in. Wouldn't you agree? As we are seeing some things happening, both in terms of our, our, our national life and, and certainly international life, we kind of wonder what's going on. And, and we can kind of wring our hands and be uh, kind of uh, troubled by this, or we can say, you know, this might be a really interesting time, especially if we know Jesus, to see what God is up to. So on this fourth Sunday in Advent, we're going to revisit, like we have much of this year here at Triumph, we're going to revisit the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to take a look at what Jesus had to say to prepare those that were following him uh, for for being prepared for for his return. It's in Mark chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. And if you're using our little Mark books, which uh, are available here at Triumph, um, it will be on page 82. And I'll be reading uh, in Jesus' name. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. But these are but the beginning of birth pains. But be on your guard. For they will deliver you over to the councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. 
And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and father is child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you'll be hated by all for my sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Wow. Not your typical Christmas text, right? (laughs) But this is Advent. And there are some of us who understand that Christmas is not just the coziest time of the year. Sometimes it can be the hardest time of the year. It can be hard because we feel the brokenness of this world. And we are so grateful that there's hope for us, that that God is not unaware of us, that he came not only to teach us something, he came to be something for us that we couldn't be for ourselves. Jesus was given the name Jesus, which means he will save his people from their sins. And the work that Jesus began uh, when, when he was born in Bethlehem was not completed when he died and rose again and went into heaven. He completed his mission to be our savior. But we right now as his people are engaged in a mission to take his gospel to the ends of the earth. And then there's going to be something unthinkable in terms of the new day that will come when Jesus returns to our planet and, 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 and sets everything right. It makes everything new. But before, there, before that time comes, Jesus very plainly said that there are going to be some really hard times. So this uh, talk that Jesus had on the Mount of Olives was to prepare his people for some moments ahead when they would be tempted to either give in to false teaching or give up because of suffering. Stress can have that kind of impact on our lives. We look for an easier way. Or we wonder if it's worth it. So as Jesus is walking in the temple area and his disciples say something that was very understandable, Herod's temple in Jesus' day was one of the wonders of the ancient world. It was jaw-dropping impressive. Both the white marble and the, and the, and the, and the grandeur of this place as it was gilded with gold was amazing. So when they say, look, teacher, at this magnificent building, it's because it was. But then Jesus said something that, well, they were used to scratching their head after Jesus said something. That was kind of Jesus' way. He'd drop a question or drop a statement and get them thinking. And it's not that he was being evasive. He was preparing to to, to reveal to them something that they would be ready to receive because they'd been thinking about it. Jesus said, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left one on another. And if that was the case, that was a life shaker for his friends. Are you talking about the destruction of the temple? We have a little sense of what that might feel like those of us that were around in 2002, right? If, uh, if I say September 11th or 9-11, unless it's your birthday, something else is going to come to mind. It's a day when our, our country was attacked by, by terrorists who went after iconic structures in our building, knowing that if they went after the center of commerce in the World Trade Center, if they went after the center of, of, of defense by going after the Pentagon, if they went after the center of government by going after the 
capital, we would be a shaken people. And got to say that we were. It changed life. But certainly not to the extent of the destruction of the temple. Rome, for example, was the, was the greatest empire on the planet at that time, and they loved the, the, the culture and ways of the Greeks, so they, like the Greeks, built great buildings. In fact, in the, in, in the, in the middle of, of, of Rome, there was the Colosseum. Could you imagine a people that was so consumed with sporting events that the most spectacular building would be a stadium? Just kidding. Okay. But the Romans said, as long as the Colosseum stands, Rome will stand. When the Colosseum falls, Rome will fall. When Rome falls, the world will fall. You see, that place was a source of identity and a source of security. But that paled compared to what the temple was for the people of Israel. It was not only a magnificent structure, It was the holiest place on the planet. Their identity as the chosen people of God, this is where God met them. In the Holy of Holies, God had promised to be present to receive their sacrifices. This is where they came to assure themselves that they were at peace with God. This is where they came to worship God. And Herod had expanded the temple, a building project that wouldn't be completed until 63 AD. It was still under construction as Jesus and his friends walked through the courtyards with with jaws dropped and mouths hanging open. This was a spectacular place. But Jesus knew God's bigger story. He knew what was about to happen, and he knew why it was about to happen. He knew that within 40 years from the time they took that walk through the temple, that that building would be reduced to rubble. That the Roman conquerors, the Roman invaders, and putting Israel in its place would level the temple, and the soldiers would sort sort through the through the stones, trying to salvage gold that had melted during the fire, and was settled between the stones. They could not imagine it. This had to be the end. This was not only a a, a prominent building. This was where God met us. And Jesus said things were about to change. And for them, that was unthinkable. No wonder, as they went over to the Mount of Olives, which sits opposite the the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. In fact, you could travel there today, and it would look something like this. You would look across the Kidron Valley, and you would see the ancient wall, and you would see the Golden Dome. And that is not the Temple, by the way. That That is the Dome of the Rock, a very holy Muslim shrine that sits on the exact area where, the, where Herod's temple foundation once was. The temple was gone in 70 AD when the Romans came in and leveled the city. And the temple has never been rebuilt. Jesus knew that the temple will have served its purpose. That God would be doing a new thing and it would not be centered any longer on the temple. All of this was in the future for the disciples. They had been told something unthinkable by Jesus. And Jesus understood their stress as they were processing these things. Jesus understands our stress as we go through times of suffering or anticipate times of suffering. Jesus totally gets it. 
He understands that when we're under stress, we're vulnerable to deception. Jesus understands that when we're under stress, that during difficult times, we're vulnerable to despair. That we're, we're susceptible to giving in if someone comes and offers us a path ahead that is not as difficult as we sense the one that Jesus is calling us to. Rather than, than follow a savior who went to the cross, we follow someone who, who, who can go around the cross and take us straight to glory. Convincing us that suffering is not because we're in God's will, it's because we're out of God's will. Jesus said, they're gonna come and don't listen to them. <laughs> not only as we gather as God's people, it's important for us to remember how much God loves us. It's also important to remember how much Satan hates us, Right? He is always looking to harm God's people. I mean, I think of those, my mom's in assisted living in a different community, and they have safeguards set up in the telephone system. I got to go beep, beep, beep to get through to my mom. Why? Because there are people that want to exploit my dear old mom, who's vulnerable at this age, and, and, and uh, vacuum out her, her retirement savings. The enemy of our souls looks for us when we're vulnerable and Jesus understands that stress can make us vulnerable. So he warns us not to look at false messiahs, but to remember who he is. To remember who he is. That they have come to know the one who came from heaven as the son of God that would be all that they would need. Who would be with them and never leave them or forsake them. Jesus said things are going to be shaken. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. World peace will be shaken. You are going to hear of earthquakes in various places and famines. Creation is going to be shaken. You are going to be, uh, because you're a follower of mine, you're going to be put in very difficult situations. Persecution will happen. And he also said that it's even going to touch our families. Man, this has to be the most painful Betrayal within the family because of allegiance to Jesus. But Jesus says, don't worry, I'm, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. And it's going to be worth it. When you think what is happening is unthinkable, realize that what, follow, what, what follows is unthinkable, not in a painful way, but in a glorious way. Remember, as Jesus is speaking this words, these words, he's anticipating the cross. Unthinkable. But the author of the Hebrews said, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame because of the joy that was set before him. Because of the joy that was set before him. In this, I would say, unsettling talk that Jesus had with his disciples, he was ironically bringing them comfort. For those first believers, when Titius and his troops came in and leveled Jerusalem, it's something that they had been prepared for. Jesus had said, the, world, the sky is not falling. The world is not coming to an end. In fact, as the Romans were leveling the temple, do you know what was going on in Rome? A young movement we would call the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
Sure, some of them were suffering, some of them were martyrs, but it was growing and it was setting people free in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, until the ends of the earth, and we're still part of that. You see, the temple no longer needs to be there to receive the sacrifices brought by God's people because of the sacrifice that Jesus would make that was unthinkable when it happened. We can tell each other the price has been paid, my friend, my sister, my brother in Christ. Jesus has paid for your sins. You are free. Your conscience is lifted. You're okay. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. And that movement continues. No longer is God present in that place in Jerusalem. He's present in the heart of every man, woman, boy or girl that, 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 that op- turns their heart and, and, and believes what God has said to them about Jesus and baptized into his family and serving him. This is a wonderful thing. It does not mean it will always be easy. But that's who we are. That's our identity. That's our security. It's not one place on the planet. In fact, Jesus says, whenever two or three gather in my name, I will be there in their midst. So as Jesus talked about the end times, here he prepared that generation for the destruction of the temple, but then he prepared for his second coming. And he said that things are going to get, get rough before he returns. But there's going to be something wonderful that's going to happen. I love it. What did Jesus uh, compare it to in verse 8? He said, these are the beginning of birth pains. I have no idea what birth pains are like, honestly. My wife does, four times actually. And I remember watching what she was going through and I'm thinking, wow, how does she do this? Well, we went to Lamaze classes together. So I was an amazing coach. That's how she did it. Just kidding. I'm kind of sitting there with my mouth open saying, oh, how's she going to do this? And I think sometimes the staff in the birth unit care for the dads as much as for the, for the moms. But she hung in there. Why? Because she knew what was waiting. Knew what was waiting. There was something more important than her comfort at that time. That this pain would be worth it. And, 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 and there would be joy at the end of this experience that she was having. And, and, and for, the, for the disciples to understand that, uh, that when things get a little rocky, there's been many times in history where Christians have said, I think these are the birth pains. So far they haven't been. We're still waiting for Jesus to come back, right? We also learned that there's something called Braxton Hicks uh, contractions. They feel like birth pains, but they aren't. They're not the real deal. I think I got that right. My daughter works in the birth center. I, I, I hope I have that right. But I know that we went in a couple times early to the, to, to the birth center, and they said, no, Kathy, those aren't the real deal yet. You can go home. And when the real deal comes, yeah, you know it's the real deal. And for us as God's people, Jesus said, these are the beginning of birth pains. I think there's times when we've kind of experienced false labor as God's people. World wars. Uh, global pandemics, wondering like, what does all this mean? But when the time comes, I think that we're going to know it's time. And for those of us that know Jesus, when things are shaking, we have a place where we are secure, right? And that's remembering who Jesus is, what he came to do for us, and what Jesus has said, what he has promised. That he who endured the cross, scorning the shame for the joy set before him said, you know what? 
Don't be deceived. Don't give in. And don't despair. Don't give up. Trust me. As you have trusted me to this point with your life, this is going to be a hard part, but you trust me because there will be a day of unthinkable joy when I make everything new and you're going to be a part of it. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus said. We're all going to be in the Father's presence saying, wow, this is the day that we've been waiting for. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for uh, that, that afternoon or evening as they looked across the valley and saw, saw Jerusalem and Jesus did not give them what they needed to predict his return, but gave them enough to be prepared. We thank you for what Jesus did to finish his mission here on earth to provide salvation. And I pray that you would give us grace to be faithful with our mission to declare the good news of what he has done for us and has yet to do. So this Advent season, we thank you for coming into our world. And by your grace, we thank you that you're coming again. And you've prepared us for that time. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'm Pastor Doug. I just want to take a minute and to say thank you for downloading or streaming this content today. We try and pray that it will transform your heart and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. I have three quick thoughts that I just want to share with you, and it'll, it'll only take a minute. First, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd be willing, visit our website at triumphlbc.org connect and let us know how we can reach out to you. Or you can visit triumphlbc.org slash events to find an activity that you can jump into. Second, we hope that you see this content as supplementary in your walk with Jesus. Our, our digital content isn't really designed to be a replacement for belonging and engaging with a gospel community, whether that's here at Triumph or another church. And third, we invest a lot into producing this content and It's used to bless people like you and others all over our community. If this or really any of our other resources that you find online have been a blessing to you, would you consider giving? It's because of your generosity that we're able to continue creating and serving online. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless you.